Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to John chapter 12, John's Gospel chapter 12, and if you want to get ahead, you can also open to Ephesians chapter 3, and the title of our Bible study today is Heading into 2023 Intentionally, and that's really the key word, intentionally, that we might make good choices, wise choices, Because it's been said that the entirety of our lives are made up of our choices. And it's also been said that every church ends up somewhere. But some churches end up somewhere on purpose. And this year I want you to make choices on purpose. To really consider the direction of your life. That's a key. We do everything on purpose. Even if you're here today and you go, well, you know, I just kind of just wander around. I don't, I'm just like a more of a free spirit and, and I kind of make my choices here and there. Well, that attitude right there, you have chosen to adopt in your life on purpose. So you can't get away from it. Whether you have more of a loose approach toward life or you're a more structured person in life, that is a choice that you have made and the way that you live your life. And so with the choices that you make, I believe it's important that we do things in a way that will get us to where God wants us to be. Because Jesus has a purpose for his church, for the bride of Christ, the broader church around the world today. But he also has a purpose for this church. This small gathering that's a part of the larger gathering, this church family, for you and for me. And with all the changes around us, one thing that's remained constant is our commitment to focus on worshiping Jesus singularly. And our church, we have a past. And we'll be talking a little bit about that to give some insights on the past. But here, we've, we've learned that we love the past, but we live the future. And we have to acknowledge that we all have a past, but the past is the past. It's behind us. There's nothing we can do about it. I mean, you look back at 2022 and maybe you made some decisions that you're not happy with, some choices that hurt you and okay, okay, but you've got to acknowledge the past is the past. Can you just say that with me? The past is the past and you need to embrace that and move forward. Yeah, it's true. You might have to move forward with some consequences and some difficulties, but nonetheless, the Lord is with you and he's going to be with you and 2023 can be different. It can truly be a turning point in your life if you will choose differently than you've previously chosen. The power of following Jesus closer than ever before. You know, Jesus told us, he said in Luke chapter 19, he said, do business till I come. And we're to be about our father's business. That's our mandate, serving him until he returns. And so we don't live in the past. We celebrate it in some ways, we learn from it in some ways, but we move forward. We live today. We're alive right now in what God is doing in our lives today. We can't do much about yesterday. We can't really do anything about yesterday, except we can learn from it, move forward from it, and learn how to grow in the Lord. And he alone is worthy of our worship and commitment and 
It's important that we realize that. Now, over the many years that I've been here in Colorado, uh, I've seen a lot of churches come and go, which was very surprising to me. I understand churches coming, but I didn't really grasp or understand, or and sometimes I still really wrestle with churches that close and just disappear. I mean, I've seen churches move, and that we've, we've been a church that's moved a couple times ourselves. I've seen churches merge together, which is wonderful. I've seen churches change, even change theologically. But unfortunately, in the past years, many churches have just disappeared. And, and, and I learned of a new one this week, and it just broke my heart. Whatever the reasons are, I don't believe that it's God's will for a church to start and then just be there for a little while and move on. The church of God is eternal, especially when he's placing churches strategically in communities. Like God has a purpose for every single church, singularly, as well as together. You know, every good, solid, sound Bible teaching church, we partner together in reaching the lost. And so as churches grow and shrink and come and go, it reminds me of the blessing of being a part of this church and all the things that we've experienced here. And it's a blessing to be a part of this fellowship as in many ways we continue to stay the course of what God has called us to do. And so with all that God has entrusted to us, we don't want to lose sight of who we are, which is the sum of our time today. We don't want to lose sight of what God is doing and what God wants to do in accomplishing it through, the lives, through our lives and the life of this church. And we can say with great confidence that God planted this church in particular. And it's a joy to be a part of it. We can say with confidence that we're here by the will of God. Now, I know many of you have made just choices. You maybe heard something on the radio. Somebody invited you. You're driving by. And so, you know, you're like, I think I'm going to go to that church this week. And I think that's a great choice. It's good that you're with us. But, but don't take so much credit for the work of God in your life. You are here because God's moving in your life. He's speaking to you. He, he is leading you and guiding you and inviting you into a deeper relationship with him. It is just not limited to this room. God is at work in your life. And so you're not here by accident. And, and to think that in the life of this church family, in this moment in particular, God has a word for you. And he wants to encourage you. And he wants to correct you. And he wants to instruct you. And he wants to challenge you. And he wants to help you along the way. And for us as a church, we're entering into our 23rd year of ministry, which only represents the amazing grace of God. It is the amazing grace of God that we're here today. And he's continuing to use us. And so many years ago, when we were praying about moving out of Southern California to a place that was still yet undetermined, to maybe be used of God in planting a church, God gave me a verse that he implanted in my heart. He gave me a verse from the same way you get verses. My pastor was teaching, he was sharing with us, and the verse that he shared resonated with my heart. And I ask you to open to it in John chapter 12, verse 21. It is the very essence and foundation of the church here. It is the beginning verse that God birthed in my heart that if I ever had the privilege of pastoring a church, it would center around this church. This verse, I should say. John chapter 12, verse 21. And, and it's a kind of an obscure verse, isn't it? It says, Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And that really is the responsibility of the church. 
that we point people to Jesus Christ. We know him personally and we make him known. That is the purpose of the church. God's will for your life is that you have a personal, vibrant, alive, growing relationship with Jesus. It's the most important thing in your life. And I use the word relationship on purpose. Just like any other relationship that grows through time and testing, that grows through conversation and grows through sharing of heart and intimate things, that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. He's given to you his word. He's invited you, in, he's invited you into a relationship through prayer and communication so that you might know him and make him known, that you might know his love, experience his grace, and then share his gospel and invite other people into a similar relationship where they could have the true purpose and experience the true purpose of their life. Now, I was thinking back when we moved to Colorado 23 and a half years ago, I came, uh, the way that we came to Colorado is I took a promotion with my job. And I took a promotion with my job for the sole purpose of being used of God and planning a church. And that was 23 and a half years. We actually moved a little bit earlier than the church started. And God gave us a direction. He put on my heart to go into a city and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. To go into a city and, and prophetically, my pastor gave a word that that city would be Aurora. And we had already checked Aurora out. We already uh, had, had some open doors here. And my pastor, when he prayed over us, he prayed actually over Calvary Chapel, Aurora, before it ever existed. And as we were praying to come to this city, we didn't even know, you know, to, to think about leaving uh, to step out in faith, because that's really what it amounted to me. I have my small little family, just my wife and three kids. We just had a baby, and the, the Lord was like, I want you to go. And it was a, just a thousand miles, but that was a long way for us. As we grew up in, a, in Southern California, I mean, Marie and I got married. We didn't even move more than 10 miles from where we grew up. And all of our family and all our friends and everyone there, and God saying, no, it's time for you to go. And, and we didn't know exactly at the time, you know, when that first started. But as we continue to pray, God narrowed it down to come here. But I didn't know how to plan a church. I, I didn't know what to do. We had, there wasn't books to read or seminars to go to. Uh, but we were taught that if you go to a community, just open up your home, invite people into your front room, love on them, sing with them, and teach them the Bible. And if people come back, you're probably going to see a church planted. If they don't come back, just go home, you know, just go home. It's not going to work. And so that's what we did. And through a lot of different things, uh, we ended up uh, having, a, there was a group of people already meeting in Aurora. Uh, we were given oversight of that group and we started Sunday morning services, December 26, 1999, right behind us here, behind the coals over here, Caddy Corning of us, there was a, there's a school back there, Columbia Middle School. Uh, we rented the cafeteria, invited people to come, put signs on the street, and said, here we're going to be for Bible study. And God wanted, God was the origin of all this, and that's the important part. Certainly, I was a part of it. We were praying, but we were praying for God's will, not our will. And so God revealed that he wanted to take this little family from Southern California, pick them up completely, bring them to a new city so that he might do a fresh new work with the gospel in Aurora. And he has called me to teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter and book by book. He has called me to shepherd the flock of God. He's called me to be a servant 
and to be used by him to love and to feed and to care and to tend and to nurture his flock. And you know, back in that first service, 50 people showed up, about 50 people showed up. We didn't count, but that's about considering how many chairs we put out. There was about 50 people that first Sunday and it was very exciting. It was an excitement in the room. What's God want to do? What does he desire for this city? And maybe there was a little nervousness and apprehension is who is this guy and what kind of church is this? But I'll tell you what, week after week and month after month and now year after year, God has been faithful to his word and he uses the Bible to grow up men and women in him. And he uses the Bible to to help us live our lives. And most importantly, he uses the Bible that we might understand who he is, what his character and his nature is. And as I write in all those little baby dedication Bibles I give, I write the child, even if they're a baby, when they grow up, they'll be able to read it or their parents can read it. I, I write a part of it. It's a little different each one. But I say, hey, look, God loves you. Jesus loves you, gave his life for you. And he also gave you his Bible so you can read it and learn more of his love for you. That's what, if you ever wonder what's in those Bibles, that's what's in them. Because I want the children, I want the parents, I want us to know about the love of God. That will change your life. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. God loved us first. We love God, why? Because he loved us first. And it's amazing as we look back over the years here of what God has done through this church. You know, first Sunday with 50 people, the next Sunday was a lot less. Let me just say, it was a lot less people. Uh, It was maybe from 50 to 20, who knows. But I learned, I learned something uh, as the church would go up and down, especially during football season. When the Broncos are playing and you only have one service and they're on TV during the service, people stay home. Like, uh, you know, and so people are going, well, you need to change the service times. We're not changing the service times for the Broncos, just so you know. If you don't want to come to church, don't come to church and suffer for it. That's your deal. But I learned the culture. I learned the community. I learned back then. Like, it's a little different today, but back then, like, that was a serious thing. And nothing can interrupt the watching of the Broncos. I mean, I even had a dude that says, we can bring a TV in here. Like, dude, I'm teaching the Bible, man. We're not watching the game. And those were pre-phone days where I, you know, I see you guys watching the game. I know what you guys are doing, checking the score, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We've seen and been through a lot over the years, up and down, up and down. And I know some of you, you you can't resonate with these stories because you weren't with us. But I share with you that, that your church has a history. And even, even though we have a history of days, you know, when we had less people and now we have more people and up and down along the way, it's God's faithfulness. He's the one that planted this church. He's the one that started. I mean, if you think about it for a second, just thinking about where you're sitting right now, uh, if you go back 24, 25 years, just 24 or 25 years, where you are right now did not exist. I mean, if we're on the second floor here and then I'm a little bit higher than the second floor and then you go all the way down, if you erase this building here, 24 years ago, this was just dirt and rocks and tumbleweeds, and a bunch of old dead trees that were all on this property. You go back a few more years before that, then to the east of us, none of those houses were there all the way to the, the dump out there. If you go a few years back then, those houses down, down south, they weren't there. And God had a heart for this city. 
I mean, as you said, as we're studying the book of Acts, something you're going to learn about this city, about how God uses churches, is that he kind of has this spoken wheel, this hub and spoke system, where he will send somebody to a city that will be the hub, and then the spokes from that church in the city will then plant churches everywhere else. And so I can see now, looking back, I didn't know this then, but I can see now, looking back, why God would call me to a city and what he wanted to do in my life. And so if you think about it, God had you, like this church exists. God planted this church. And you can say this in a very real way for this particular moment in time, right now, just this moment in time. God planted this church for you. For you in your spiritual life, in your spiritual growth, in this moment, no matter how long you've been with us, if this is the very first time you visit, it's just as equal for you as anyone that's been with us for 20 years. God planted this church for you because he loves this city and he desires to reach this city and your family and friends. And and as we've seen over the years, all the people that move here, all the people that move out, all the people that come in through Buckley and all the people that head out when their orders are, are changed. God's will is for this city. He planted this church. And I know there are a lot of great churches in this city. We're, 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 I believe this is a great church. It's where my family grew up, where I raised my kids. But there are a lot of great churches in this city. And collaboratively and collectively, we get to partner together as we're faithful to our calling to reach this city. And yet you're here. And it's God's will for you to be here. And it may be God's will for you to stick around, for for you to step up, for you to begin to serve, to use your gifts and talents, not just to come in religiously constantly so your own personal edification, but also for your gifts and talents to be used so that you can be a stronger person in your community. Because I mean, in a few minutes, you guys are going to leave and you're going to spend more time living life outside of this building than you ever will inside this building. And so the building becomes representative of a place to be built up and to be strengthened. It's a church family. It's where God introduces you to other people. Some people you need, some people need you, and it becomes the family of God. And it reminds me as I think of the church looking back, looking back, you know, what we're living in and what we've experienced in 23 years was never, on my radar. I remember thinking that if we could gather a group together, if God would just use me, we could gather a group together. And as a church, we maybe had 100 or 200 adults. That would be enough maybe to quit my job and I can just shepherd this little flock and just be used of God and teach the Bible. And that would be fine with me. But obviously we're walking in something that's far bigger than even my little mind can contain far bigger than what I even expected. And I mean, you have to understand something as well. There was a time, very real in those early days, where I was ready to go home. Like, I mean, leave Colorado and go, church planning's not for me. I don't want to be here anymore. And I even called my boss and asked to see if my job was still there in Southern California. And he says, oh, Eddie boy, your job is still here. Come on back. And Marie's over here in the other room saying, hang up the phone. We're not going back. And the warfare and the difficulty and the challenges. Because I believe this, and I've come to believe that whether it was me or another pastor, 
God was going to do what he wanted to do in this church. This is his heart for this city. And he's nowhere, anywhere near being done until he returns. And he invites you to be a part of it. He wants you to be a part of it. Maybe put it in stronger words. He commands you to be a part of what he's doing on the earth today. So it reminds me of another scripture I asked you to open to in Ephesians. Would you turn there with me? Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It reminds me of a scripture because as God is inviting you into what he is doing, because that's, that's really the essence. We want to we see what God is doing. We want to observe what God is doing, and then we want to run to it. We don't want to create it or try to make something happen. We want to find out what God's already doing and then get there. And just jump in at what he's doing, what his will is. And here's the verse that's so exciting in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. As you make choices for this coming year, as you look forward to what God has for your life, listen, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus, notice, to all generations, Forever and ever, amen. I mean, first of all, I noticed that the church is to go to all generations. And that's why I don't want to see our church just disappear one day. I mean, to, even to look around the city, there's churches that were very prominent and very useful in our community that are literally gone now. Changing the sign or, you know, they, got, they sold the building or whatever it might be, they, they are just gone and dissolved. And even this last week, I learned of another one in another city that, that shut down and my heart breaks. Because I don't believe, I believe the church is to go on to every generation. Now, again, I realize things happen behind the scenes, stuff I know nothing about, and that's not my business. I give it unto the Lord. But as far as our church, like I, I want to see our church continue to reach this city even long after I'm gone or long after you're gone. Because there'll be new people in this city. This city will continue to grow. It'll continue to build. It'll continue to be a, a destination for people to move. And as long as there are people in the city... I mean, even if not another person came to the city, like, you know, 400 plus thousand people in Aurora, I mean, there are 390 something thousand people that need to get saved. Like, there's a lot of people in our city that need to be, to need to be introduced and experience the love of God. And that's not just our city, right? As we'll see in a moment, our responsibility is far larger than just this little city that we're in. And I believe God wants us to ask and think great things in this city, specifically. I think he wants us to ask for great things and think great things in our lives so that we might bring glory to his name and the church continues to other generations. Sometimes you'll hear that described as like, God, I believe, wants you to dream big for his glory. I think he wants you to really ask him, how do you want me to use me, God? And how do you want to use this talent? And, and, and what do you want from my life? And, and then you begin to make choices that way and just to think that whatever choice you make, and I think you can dream big, big, and huge because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big it is. God is going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or ask. But the real question is, how often, you know, what, what's been going on in your life where you've been thinking and asking from God? I mean, Jesus said, continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock. But so many just stop and they just quit. And I get it, man, because there are all kinds of burdens and barriers and family issues and pain and, and life. I get it. 
trials and tribulations and challenges and you're just like, you know what? I don't have any energy. I don't even know what to do. I don't even want to ask God anymore. But you would make a great error. That's a bad choice. Because Jesus said to seek him first and his kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. Because all of us go through challenges. And yeah, maybe you need to take a breather and you need to get, catch, get your equilibrium again. Again, I, I, I know that things happen where we've got to pause and we've got to but God, it's not God's will for you to pause to the point where you get out of the race. He wants you to finish well. He wants you to run not just to the tape, but he wants you to run through the tape. That you continue and that a new year represents, you know what? You know what? I haven't been asking lately. All right, well, change it. I haven't been seeking lately. Well, okay, then change it. You know, I haven't served the Lord in many years. Okay, well, what's, what's your problem? Why are you not, why are you not serving? You go, pastor, you just asked me what my problem is? Yes. Like, what happened to you? Remember when you were a new believer? Remember when all that mattered is just worshiping God? Do you remember when, like, like it was just so sweet that you learned something new in the Bible and, and you had a prayer, you're like, I'm talking to God. Do you remember when you wanted to tell people about what you learned and tell people about who Jesus is and how you forsook this and how you're doing? You remember that? When it wasn't religious? When it wasn't tied to a room or, you know, remember, you know now, now everybody wants to argue about stuff. Well, what version of the Bible do you use? Just use one, man. Don't worry about the version. Just open it up and read the Bible. Oh, there's some bad ones out there. We'll get it out of your hands. Read the Bible. No, you know, pastor, you can't use that version. Seriously, what would happen to you? Are you serious? Well, you know, you can't do that in search. What are you talking about? Is it sin? Well, it's not sin, but I just don't like it. What? is your problem. No wonder the church makes no progress. We just walk into a room like this and it's like all about us. And it's not God's will. It's not about us at all. And I mean, if God brought you here, and I'm just talking to our little church here, right? I know it goes out on the radio and around the country and that's fine, but I'm just talking about what I'm responsible for. What happened? That now church surrounds everything about what you want and your preferences and what's going to make you happy and you have forgotten the lost and dying world that you live in and that you're only going to spend 90 minutes here for a so and maybe if you serve another couple hours but real where the rubber meets the road is when you're out of this building serving people, loving people, helping people, caring for people, ministering to people. Life is found at the foot of the cross. Life is found in surrender to Jesus. And, and I don't know exactly who I'm speaking to or not. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's trying to draw from you. But I do know this. For some of you, if you don't make fundamental changes in your relationship with God right now, as a result, things will get worse, not better. You'll be less inclined to worship. You'll be less inclined to read your Bible. I mean, I'm a pastor. I know. I, I mean, I, I'm not naive enough to think that there are people among us right now that you would consider yourself a Christian, but you don't even read the Bible. That's like saying, yeah, you know, I work over there, but you never show up. You know what that's called? You don't work there. Oh well, yeah, I got a job there, but you don't work there. And she's like, well, I'm a believer. Do you read your Bible? No. I mean, what does that mean exactly for you? 
Again, it could be a dry spell. It could be some difficult time. I, I get it. I know life hits us in different ways. But church, God is calling you to something so much higher than religion. But we like routine so much that we just get into a rhythm and a routine and we just stop. And God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than that. He wants your life and my life to bring him glory. He wants your testimony, where you've been, what you've been through, what you've been delivered from, to be an encouragement to other people. When you share your testimony, when you share your story, when you give that piece of your life that's close and intimate, some of us, you know, we have some really bad stories, so it hurts even when we share them. But even through the hurt, God's going to use your story of his power in your life to bring him glory get somebody's attention. And yeah, of course, we wish we didn't have a testimony, but man, we do, so that's the way it is. We're gonna share it. Because when we share it, God gets the glory. And you're a walking miracle. And this world needs to see and hear about more walking miracles because they're all beat up and messed up and fearful and wondering. And I mean, if you only live for this world, if this is all you live for, wouldn't you be scared? I think so. Like if this is all there is, man, we are jacked up, man. This is it. Like we are in trouble, but the Bible is very clear that this world is not all there is. We're just passing through. We have a hope that is centered in Jesus Christ. And so let me remind you before we head out here of a couple things that's important because in our life of our church, even though there's a lot of great churches, we have, there is a purpose, like a vision for our church, a mission and a vision I mean, those are the language that's used today. Like, you know, what are we about? Why are we here? What are we about? There is a vision. And we've summarized it into just one word to make it easy for you. Why do we exist? Why are we on the corner here? Why have we gathered together known as Calvary Church right here in Aurora? Why? Why, why was, there was, this was once dirt and then God planted a church. And the word plant comes to us from the garden. That's what it means. It's like you plant a seed and you watch it grow. That's why they, they use the word church planting, where you see something planted and you nurture it and watch it grow. And so why would God start a new church in Aurora? And, and here's the vision of this church, this particular, your home church. This is why we're here. The vision of our church is evangelism. That is why we're here. God has put you on the planet to connect you with other human beings for the purposes of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism. That's it. So why am I alive? You are alive to connect with other people. Why am I on the planet? So that God might use you to connect with other people. But I'm so introverted. Well, God will connect you with other introverted people. And you can sit at the table with your head down talking to each other about the love of Jesus. No excuses. You see how easy it is? So excuses. Well, I don't, you know, it's just not how God made me. Exactly. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you think or ask. He's the one doing the work. Just make yourself available. Extrovert, introvert, whatever. Whatever your personality type is, that's what God put you on the earth for, evangelism. So with that, because we have the vision of evangelism, we have a responsibility. And I want you to hear that word. You are responsible for the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed your life. And so we, our vision of our church is evangelism with a threefold responsibility. And we've summarized it in another three words. When, disciple, and send. And I know for some of you, it's review. But for some of you, it's brand new. And I, I want you to know, that's what this church, this is the grid that we put everything through. Will this help us win someone to Christ? 
Will it help us disciple someone in Christ? Will it help us send someone out for Christ? If not, we don't want to do it. Which is very important for you that are new to the church, especially if you came from another church. Because there are ideas you have. You came from another church and they had this ministry. You came from another church and they did this. And you came from another church and they did that. And you were watching somebody on YouTube and they're doing something. And so the idea is you come in and go, Pastor, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing this? I want this. Why can't we do this? And here's the answer. We're not called to do that. And we're glad other churches are doing that. But we're not called to do that. And this is a very important principle when you, any church you're in, but especially ours, and for your life. You ready? It's very important. You should write it down. We can't do everything. Did you guys hear that? Not only that, we won't do everything because we can't do everything well. But even though we can't do everything, we will do something. And that something will be led from the Holy Spirit. So we can't do everything. And you just got to understand we can't do everything. But uh, pastor, pastor, you don't understand. It was so good in the church that I came from. And, uh, you know, they're, they're across town and we need that over here. Okay, either you're really married to that ministry and you need to go back to that church so you can enjoy that ministry. Or you got to realize that God brought you here and you're doing a new thing. God's doing a new thing. And we can't do everything. And so just to head up, just so you're not disappointed when you hear that. Like, we, no, we're not called to do that. There was a time when every church in town was studying the same exact book, not the Bible, but the same exact book, doing the same exact teaching, some popular pastor. And I can't tell you how many times somebody goes, why aren't we studying that book? Why aren't we studying that book? Why aren't we studying that book? Why aren't we doing all those small groups? Why? And, and I had to repeat myself over and over again. We are not called to study a book. We are called to study the Bible. And we, just because every church in town is doing something, doesn't mean we're supposed to do something. We are very singular. Like if you were here on that first Sunday and you were here and we, well, what do we do? We open the Bible, we study the book of Revelation. That's what we did that first Sunday. And now you're just, you're back for the very first time 23 years later and guess what? Oh, Ed, you're doing the same exact thing. You're teaching the Bible and singing. Yes. Yes, we are. Yeah, it might be different. We're in a room now. We got lights and different things and different technology. Yes, it's a little different, but it's also the same. And that's our commitment to teach you the Bible verse by verse because we know it's the Bible that's going to change your life. And I want to operate not with personality and not with clever sayings. I want to operate in the gifting of pastor-teacher. I want to be used by God. I want to be able to say things that God inspires and he uses from his word to explain it, to give you the meaning, but more importantly, to teach you how to live the Bible, not just learn the Bible, like the Bible, you don't just study the Bible as like, oh, you know, I can win at Bible trivia now. No, you study the Bible so you can know God and live your life for him. And which is one of the reasons why people don't read the Bible because it can be so challenging as you keep looking at it as a mirror. You know, the Bible says it's a mirror and you're like, oh man, I need to fix that. I need to take care of that. I need to make that change. But that's God's will for your life. So our vision is evangelism with the responsibility, number one, to win a person to Christ. Mark chapter 16, in verse 15, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I don't want you to confuse the word win. It's not being used in the sense of competition where there's winners and losers. That's not it. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses the word win as as something that he who wins souls is wise. It's like you're, you're winning someone's love over to God. That's the idea where they're changing allegiances. 
And so when you hear win, it's just the idea of evangelism. You're, you're seeing someone's heart won over by God. So Jesus said, we were saved to share the good news. Go preach the gospel. Secondly, once a person is saved, we have a responsibility to disciple that person. So the word disciple, it means learner. That's what a disciple is, a learner. So that for someone to learn how to follow Jesus, then is required a teacher. So you have a learner and a teacher. And so that's why we are committed to teaching you the whole Bible. God gave us the whole Bible so that you might become a whole follower of Christ, a disciple. And that, the scripture there is Matthew chapter 28 in verse 19, where Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. So preaching the gospel and make disciples, they go together. And then finally, when disciple send, we have a responsibility to send people for Jesus. And we learn that in Acts chapter one in verse eight. Jesus told those early disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So we were saved to share the good news. We were saved to teach others to follow Christ. And then finally, we were saved to go and help others. Now, I know that sending becomes very exclusive in people's minds to like worldwide missions. Of course, we send missionaries, we send missionaries, and we do. That has been from the beginning of our church, we have sent missionaries around the world, yes. But I want you to consider sending in your own personal application, like in just a few minutes, you're going to be sent out. As I mentioned earlier, you're going to live most of your life outside of this building, you're sent out. And so it's not merely, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not ever going to go to the mission field. No, no, you're going to, you're, you may not go across the world, but you need to go across the street. You need to go across the, the workroom to the other cubicle or to the break room. Like you are and I am sent out and scattered throughout the world every single day. And you should be sent out and scattered as a stronger disciple whose heart's been won over by Jesus. That's the heart of this church. And it is very simple. We have to fight really hard and work really hard to keep it simple because it's far easier to let it become so complex and so upset. Like, it's just, there's so many layers of life and dealing with people and such that we can, we can make it all complex, but it's not as complex as it seems. So those that are in leadership here, those that serve here, we do a lot of work behind the scenes. We get things in order and we stay above reproach. Why? So that we can keep things simple. And so we can't do everything, but we will do something. And I love this because Jesus laid it out for the disciples and he, he, he led them to do the impossible. You got to understand something. When they were told to go around the world, this is a group of people that never really left the Galilee region except to go to Jerusalem occasionally. Like, like it's not that big of a country. It's not that big of an area that go around the world. It's not like they're going to hop a plane or get on a train or drive a Tesla across the country. They're, they, they aren't going to, that around the world was an impossibility that could not even been thought of, which reminded me too as a church, like where, where's the impossibilities? Where, where, when's the last time you prayed for something that you don't have enough money to do? You don't have enough smarts to do? Like you can't do it, but only God can. When's the last time you laid your life down on the impossibilities of God? And which leads us back to asking and seeking and knocking in these last days. Because I know if you don't make a substantive change, another year is going to be wasted. And, and I don't know too many people. I don't know too many people that really would say out loud, yeah, I just kind of want to waste my life. 
I want to religiously waste my life. I want to pretend to be a Christian, say I'm a Christian, maybe dabble, go to church, but, but otherwise I don't want my life to amount to anything. Truly, that's not in your heart. And if you're a real born-again believer, God did not put that in your heart for sure. He doesn't want you to waste your life, but invest it in the kingdom. He wants to use you. And I don't know how. I don't know. I know what God's called me to, but even what else would he have for me? I mean, there are things that when I first came here compared to where I am now, very, very different. I never thought, I never knew, but I put myself, I said, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm ready to be used. I think of just the, the, the blessing, just one little story that we kind of take for granted, but don't ever take Grace FM for granted as a church family. Don't ever do that. Because I want you to think about this. When you go to bed tonight and you are snoring away at sleep tonight, when, when you are out of it at three o'clock in the morning, you're, you and your church are reaching out to the lost. You're sleeping, but you're still reaching out. And you know how that started? It started with just a little AM radio station here in Denver. We were praying as a leadership team way back in the day. And we're like, what can we do for this city? How can we, and what do we have for this city? And we're looking around, well, we don't have anything. We don't have anything to give this city except I was teaching the Bible. And we had a few recordings that we had trans changed to edited and, and produced. And even the, the production back then was just the same intro, same outro. And we were just right Bible study. And you know what? God used it. And then he opened doors for more stations. And then he laid before us this desire, you know what? I think God wants to do even greater. And then he put this station in front of us up here in Denver. And we're like, boom, we'll take it. And then he opened a door down in the springs and boom, we'll take it. And now we're still in a position of waiting of, God, what do you have? Because we have a couple of needs. We have a couple of wants, you know, not necessarily needs, but we have a couple of wants when it comes to this consistent 24-hour, seven-day-a-week ministry of worship and the word throughout our city. Not just because, you know, the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria kind of relates to us as well. We learned this in Acts 1, so I know it's repetitive. But we have a Jerusalem. It's Aurora. That's our responsibility. No matter where you live, this is your church. Our responsibility is start here in Aurora. But then as you look at your Bible map, you notice Judea and Samaria were regions around Jerusalem. So we have regions around Aurora. We have the Denver metro area. Uh, we have the state of Colorado. And by extension, we have the United States. And so we want to be responsible for them. We want to go forward in whatever God has for us, not just in Aurora. We're not just this little church on the corner that's happy to have these little holy gatherings and we'll only care about one another and we'll just talk to one another and we'll just be so insulated. It's not God's will for us to be isolated church. It's God's will for us to infiltrate this world with the gospel in a way that we'd speak the truth in love. We don't have to make everybody upset and, and just like, you know, be in a way where the gospel is not attractive. If you ever deliver the gospel and it's not attractive, that was your fault, not God's. The invitation to have your sins forgiven is a pretty cool invitation. <laughs> the God of the universe, as we read today, would invite you into relationship with him. That's pretty cool. I know there are layers that you have to get through of, to get to the heart of a matter, but I'm telling you, the longing in everyone's heart is to be made right with their creator. And they just spent their whole life running, running, running. Sometimes because they've been deeply hurt. They've been abused, taken advantage of. Grew up in a very difficult home with difficult... Who knows the kind of pains and hurts that are even in this room today. But I get the privilege of reminding you that God invites you to himself. 
to experience his love and his healing. The Bible says that he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. And so when you think about just something simple like Grace FM, that's an impossibility. And so what? We're praying for the next impossibility. God has done that. We use it. Great. Now what's next, Lord? What's next? Until you return. So that we could be a church where the hurting and the sick can come and we'll minister to you. Where you can be relieved of your addiction. You can learn of your value in Christ, of who you really are. I know how you've been treated and I know how people have spoken to you. But you know, your value in Jesus Christ is far above what you could ever think or ask. How important you are to him. How precious you are. You're not an object. You're not someone to be taken advantage of. In Christ, you are a son and a daughter of the king. He loves you. Wants you to follow him. And so we want to be a place of healing. You just have to understand a lot of sick people are in this church even right now. You're sitting next to some, some really bad sinners. Did you know that? Don't ask them. Just trust me. I walked into a church, a really bad sinner, just really overwhelmed by the choices of my life. And I happened to walk into a church that was a hospital, spiritually. Took the time to tell me the truth and help me in my life's work, you know, to help me along the path. Not only that, but we want to be a church where you're well-fed, like a restaurant where the Bible is given to you, not the opinions of man or some you know, things that substitute the Bible, but just, man, you're well-fed, you're well-nourished. Not only that, but we want to be a place where you can exercise your spiritual gifts, like a gym. You know, when you go to the gym, you're exercising, you're healthy, you want to take care of yourself, fantastic. This is, the church is like a gym. But exercise is different here. You're exercising for the sake of the kingdom now and for loving other people and helping them on their journey. And not only that, we want to be a place where you can launch off, be used of God in great ways. And I'll tell you this as we loop back now. When you really see Jesus, like that passage in John 12, this is what you're going to see. Humility, sacrifice, and servanthood. That's the heart of Jesus. And that's what we have to offer this city. It's what we have to offer you. Humility, sacrifice, and servanthood. Not much more and not much less. And as a church, we're here to point you to him, to his love and his grace and forgiveness. And even as the church has grown over the years, our church has grown significantly over the years. A lot of different phases in 23 years. But what we're experiencing now is more than when we started. This is something you can't forget because Jesus himself too was surrounded by multitudes. It started with just a few and then it exploded in thousands upon thousands of people following Jesus. But I want you to remember this. No matter how many people come in and out of our lives, how many people call Calvary their home, Jesus still sees you singularly. Always and forever. You're not nameless or faceless, or just one in the crowd, although I know some of you would like that, that's not God's will for your life. You're not some forgotten person. You're not someone, like you are a meaningful, valuable person that Jesus sees individually. 
And so we can't get caught up on church growth and how many people are coming and, oh, the church is growing, oh, the church is shrinking. None of that matters. That's not on our control anyway. Jesus himself said he's going to build the church, so we'll trust him. And while Jesus is building his church, we're ministering to each other, one at a time. And we don't get caught up in things that aren't going to lead us to Jesus. And so, listen, precious church, brothers and sisters, it's not too late for you to choose to live for something. And it's not too late for you to choose to live for someone. For every minute that I'm here and every moment that I have to share, that will be my message. That Jesus is alive and worthy of your wholehearted, undivided, exclusive devotion and surrender. And it's just that invitation today. May we live it and speak it that God would be our all in all. And I love that, you know, he uses the picture of vessels like a container. And it's like, may we just be containers and vessels where he can pour himself into and that we as a church will continue to be a blessing to our community. And when we say we as a church, that's you. That's us collectively. This church is here by the will of God. You are here by the will of God. So step up and be used by God. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for the time today and your word. And, and uh, you know, it's stirring stuff in the new year. But like, I think, what else are we going to do? We don't want to waste our lives, God. So help us. Help us. We ask for your mercy upon us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.